Good morning, my name is Brianna, and today's scripture reading comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. This is the reading of God's word. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are currently in a series through the book of James called The Way of Faith. And if I could summarize what this book is, I would say it's kind of like a manual for Christian living that really forces us to ask ourselves whether or not we're actually living out the things we say we believe. Or to take that one step further, if we even believe the things we say we believe. Because you will only do something if you actually believe it will produce the results it says it will. Like why do people invest in the stock market? It's because they believe they will get a return on that investment, that the companies they invest in will succeed. Like if you don't believe in a company, you won't invest in it. It's as simple as that. Actions always follow belief. And so as Christians, though we believe our actions and good deeds cannot save us, we regularly need to take inventory of our lives so we don't fool ourselves into thinking we believe something we actually don't. And James is going to be that litmus test for us because every week we're going to look at a text that paints a picture of what a living, breathing, active faith actually looks like. Okay, so today we're closing out James chapter 1. And right out of the gate, James gives us something that could not be more applicable to our present moment. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Like, do I even need to go further? I mean, I can't think of one thing that would change our world in an instant than if every person for just five minutes practiced James 1.19. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How different would marriages be if husbands and wives for five minutes were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? How different would organizations be if the people in charge for five minutes were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? How different would presidential debates be if the candidates for the highest office in the free world for five minutes were quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to speak, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Like, I don't know about you, but I didn't know whether to laugh or cry watching that debate. I mean, it wasn't even about politics anymore. It was just a complete train wreck from beginning to end. You know, they say that a society is measured by the leaders it produces. And if that's true, Tuesday night was a terrifying reality check for America. 
And I'm sure God was sitting on his throne being like, are you surprised? Because I told you this was going to happen. I told you everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anyone who thinks the Bible is outdated and irrelevant today obviously has not read James chapter 1. Now, more specifically, this entire section from verses 19 to 27 is actually referring to our relationship with God's Word. And we know this because the exhortation in verse 19 is given in the context of verse 18 right before it that says, He chose to give us birth through the Word of Truth. And then that idea is reiterated in verse 21 that says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Okay, so if I could paraphrase this entire section, it's basically James saying, Everyone needs to just stop talking and start listening, because God is speaking. And how does God speak? Through His word. Now, I can't tell you how many people I speak to who say to me, Jason, I have no idea what to do with my life. I wish God would just speak to me. Or Jason, I don't know how to help my friend who's going through a difficult time right now. I wish God would just speak to me. I don't know how to manage this person at work. I wish God would just speak to me. But when I ask the follow-up question, well, what has God been saying to you through his word? More often than not, I hear, well, I don't really have time for the Bible. Okay, so you want God to speak to you, but you don't have time to listen to what he has to say. You see, the problem is not that God is not speaking, it's that we're not listening. We're too busy talking at God, telling him what we need him to do. We're too busy getting angry at him and at others to realize we haven't taken a moment to just stop talking and start listening. Now, this is really difficult for two reasons. Number one, we live in a society that literally trains us to be really good at talking and really bad at listening. Like technology has made it so that we can have a conversation by ourselves without having to listen to anyone talk back to us. For all my Gen Zers out there, there was a time when in a conversation, I would say something, pause, and then let the other person say something back to me. But in the Twitter generation we live in, we can verbal vomit for hours without once having to listen to someone else respond to what we're saying. We can post and comment on our time in a way that's convenient to us without ever once questioning how what we're saying might be impacting another person. Like even what I'm doing at this very moment, speaking into this camera is so normal in our culture, which is why the moment we actually get in a room with someone, we don't know how to have a normal conversation. We can't do it. And so God has all this stuff he wants to say to you concerning your life, but we have not developed the muscles to listen. Now, the second reason this is so difficult is because now, more than ever, there are so many competing voices that demand our attention. And so we can't even discern what is the voice of God and what is the voice of man anymore. We can't tell the difference between God's voice and CNN, between God's voice and the voice of our parents, between God's voice and the voice inside our own heads, and it's loud in here, isn't it? 
And this is why James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. In other words, turn down the noise. Get rid of the things that distract you, the things that drown out the voice of God in your life so that your ears would be tuned to listen to what God has to say. But this isn't just a modern problem. It's been a problem since the beginning of time. Which is why from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is always telling His people, listen up. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then all the way in Revelation, at the end of the Bible, He's still saying the same thing. He says, Anyone with ears must listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Is he listening is hard? because it requires humility. And I'm not talking about the kind of listening where we're just waiting for our turn to speak. No, we're good at that. No, I'm talking about the kind of listening that requires us to hear things we don't always want to hear. The kind of listening that requires us to not always have to get the last word. The kind of listening that makes the other person the protagonist of the conversation, but that's not in our MO. Because we love ourselves too much. We love the sound of our own voice. We're all modern-day philosophers, and God is saying, can you just be quiet for a moment and listen? Now, James doesn't end it there. He goes on in verse 22, and he says, But do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, once you even get to the point of listening to the voice of God, which is so hard in and of itself, then you actually have to do what he says. You know, when I counsel married couples, you know what I hear all the time? One person will say, well, if you know I need help, help me. You know, if you heard me ask you once, uh, just do it. Don't just say you understand and that you're sorry. Do something about it. Because doing is the proof that you've actually listened. And James says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I love that James uses the metaphor of a mirror to describe the word of God. Like, what is a mirror? It reflects back to you what you look like. A world without mirrors? would be an extremely scary world. People would be walking around with red pepper flakes in their teeth, with bad haircuts, uneven eyeliner. It'd be like the walking dead out there. We need mirrors to show us what we really look like. And I don't know anybody who looks at themselves in the mirror, sees that pepper in their teeth, and doesn't immediately try to take it out. And this is what the Word of God does. It exposes us for who we really are. The Bible says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. You can't read it and not be changed. And so if we're not intentionally creating space to listen to God's word, we're basically walking around with peppers in our teeth, wondering why is it that in almost every social space I enter, I seem to make people feel uncomfortable? Why is it that my kids are so afraid of me? Why is it that I'm so anxious all the time? And the reason the mirror metaphor is so great is because we often love to use the Word of God to condemn and shame others. Right? Christians since the beginning of time have weaponized God's Word to tell people what's wrong with their heart and their life. 
But you see, a mirror doesn't show you what other people look like. It shows you what you look like. You see, the trademark of people who really allow God's word to penetrate their hearts is that they're humble because they see the ugliness in themselves before they see it in others. Now, the next thing James says is this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James says we have to look intently into God's word. We can't just skim it. We can't just pull verses out of context to beat people over the head with it. We have to look intently into it. We have to examine it. Because the more intently you look at something, the more it will change you. When you look that intently at your social media feed and then you wonder why you're more anxious and lonely and discontent than you've ever been, what you have not realized is that your social media feed has changed you. It has shaped your desires. It has shaped your expectations and your vision of what a good life is supposed to look like. When you look that intently at your Robinhood app and then you're waking up at the crack of dawn to see what the market is saying and then you find yourself obsessed with your financial well-being and stability and security, what you have not realized is that these habits have changed you. Now hear me when I say this. There's nothing inherently wrong with social media or day trading, uh, even though you know some of y'all need to take a break from it for real. Uh, but when we look more intently at those things than we do the Word of God, we have to know that we're being transformed into the image of whatever it is we're looking at. Because we become what we behold. And in verse 27, James gives us a picture of what happens to a person when they behold God's Word. When they look intently at God's Word, and it may not be what you would expect. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Meaning you will know that you are listening to the voice of God. You will know that you are beholding His word. You will know that you are aligned with His will, not if you become healthy or wealthy or successful. Like how many times have you heard someone say, if you just follow God's word, He'll give you everything you want and you need to be successful in this life. But no, that's, what James said. that's not what James says. He says the kind of person the word produces is one kind of person and one kind of person only. One who looks after orphans and widows in their distress and one who keeps himself from being polluted by the world. He says this is the litmus test of whether or not we are listening to the voice of God. You know, it's funny, we have so many different tests and metrics that we use to evaluate someone's relationship with God. Do you read the Bible every day? How often do you pray? For how long? Are you in a small group? Do you go to church every week? And we create these uh, assessment tools, but James boils down the religion that is acceptable to God to two things, taking care of the poor and keeping yourself pure. That's it. Now, side note, you know what I think is really interesting about this? Uh, we live in a world where we create so many false dichotomies, especially between the left and the right. We often incorrectly generalize the left 
as just those social justice warriors who live super immoral liberal lives. And then we incorrectly generalize the right as those uptight conservatives who walk around wearing purity rings and don't care about the poor at all. And in our world of memes and gifs and sound bites, we love to caricature people in order to demonize them. But this is why I love the Bible, because it never panders to one political party. For the liberal, it's too conservative, and for the conservative, it's too liberal. James says, if you want to know what God wants, he wants both. He wants a person who cares deeply about the marginalized and cares deeply about living a life marked by purity and holiness. He wants both. Now, if this is a standard God requires of all of us, how in the world can we do that? Like, I know I'm not like this. So does that mean my faith is not acceptable to God? You know, when I read this passage for the first time and I got to verse 25 that says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. When I got to that verse, it made no sense to me. One, it didn't make me feel free at all. It actually made me feel worse about myself. And two, it was really discouraging thinking that Oh man, I'm only going to be blessed if I do everything that this word says? Well, that means I'm screwed. Because how do you look intently at the perfect law and not feel completely inadequate? You know, all the musicians out there will understand me when I say this, but there are those musicians you watch that inspire you to get better, that make you want to practice more and hone your craft. And then there are those musicians that are so good, they make you want to quit. Like Brian McKnight, when I hear him sing, I'm like, what's the point of ever singing again? Nobody should ever sing again. Nobody will ever touch Brian McKnight when it comes to pure vocal perfection. You see, you can't encounter perfection and not be completely ruined. And so it didn't make sense to me that this perfect law would free me. It should actually crush me. And for some of us, it has crushed us. The churches we grew up in threw a Bible at us and told us, you better do everything it says in here if you want God to love you. That's literally like someone sending me a Brian McKnight clip saying, you better sing like that right now or else. I'm telling you, I couldn't do it if my life depended on it. None of us are good enough to fulfill what the word requires. And this is why we become so disillusioned when we see people, our mentors, people in the limelight who supposedly live by this word, do the exact opposite of what it says. But here's the good news. You know, of the many names given to Jesus, one stands out to me. He's called the Word of God. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Meaning everything that is written in this word was made flesh in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the walking fulfillment of the word and he lived it out perfectly. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, Don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
meaning I know none of you will be able to live the pure, blameless life God requires. I know none of you will be able to love and care for the poor perfectly, which is why I've come, to do what you couldn't do. And so when James tells us to look intently into the perfect law, the perfect word of God, he's not telling us to look at a list of things that remind us of how inadequate and weak and deficient we are. He's telling us to gaze at the beauty of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid the just penalty for our sins by dying on a cross. And when we place our faith in him, his perfect life is credited to us as though we had lived it ourselves. And all of a sudden, that same mirror that used to tell us everything that was wrong with us, that used to show us all the ugliness in our hearts, that used to be a reminder of our failures, is now a reminder of the depth of the Father's love for us. And now we don't have to listen to his voice with fear of condemnation or shame. We can listen to his voice the way sheep listen to the voice of their shepherd, with confidence that the shepherd will protect them, guide them, preserve them no matter what the cost. Friends, in a year like 2020, when there is so much noise all around us, the noise of the media, the noise of our family, the noise of our anxiety and worry, may we tune our ears to listen to what God is saying to us through his word. And may we gaze at the beauty of the sun, in and through whom we now possess the power to do what the Word says. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us turn down the volume of the world around us that we might hear your still small voice inviting us to rest in the finished work of your Son. We thank you that because of Jesus, the one who fulfilled the law perfectly your word is no longer a burden or an impossible standard, but a means to true, lasting joy and freedom in this life. So make us slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry, that we would humbly embrace the word that has been planted in us, that we would be like trees planted by streams of water that yield their fruit in their season. In your name we pray. Amen.